The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative, and together we work to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to help them to prepare for a successful future. Today, we're joined by our special guest, Gary Wolski, the President and CEO of the Village Family Service Center of Fargo, North Dakota, who's soon going to be stepping down from this role after 30 years of service and transitioning to a new role as the President of the Children's Village Family Service Foundation. Gary, welcome. Would you please introduce yourself? Well, good afternoon, Tom. Good to, good to be with you. And, and uh, it, it, this topic of leadership, I think, is something so important to our whole field that it's, uh, it's always good to be kicking, uh, kicking ideas around and, and passing on what, uh, uh, what we collectively know to the folks coming up behind us. So it's a great opportunity. I appreciate the, the chance to do it. Fantastic. Uh, we, we both are, are looking forward to the opportunity to giving you a chance to talk about some of the things that you've picked up over the course mm-hmm. of the last 30 years. Um, today, I'm going to ask you to share some of the wisdom uh, that you've been collecting um, and to tell us personally uh, what inspired you, first of all, uh, to enter this field. Well, it's perhaps a little atypical for me, Tom. I, I was in the Army in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, and, and uh, had a, a Ph.D., a Bachelor of Philosophy degree in psych- Psychology, and I could get into a master's program in, uh, uh, with an early out from the service, and I was getting a little bored with things, and so I took it and really didn't, uh, I, I tell you honestly, I didn't have a lot of forethought about uh, uh, about the field necessarily, I've always been interested in human behavior, and and just what makes people tick, and that translates. If you know what people, what makes people uh, motivated and whatnot, you can understand more about businesses. You can understand more about services and about how our profession can interact with those things. So it it, it ultimately fit pretty well. Uh, but I I, I um, and and I guess I would also say from a personal standpoint, had some. Uh, uh, alcohol in my family, my immediate family. My dad had a terrible problem with it, and I think as a young age, that tended to kind of uh, trigger some some uh, personal interest in, gee, what, how does this work, and what's that about, and so forth. So I think it was a kind of a combination of things like it is for kind of many of us. But frankly, when I got out of uh, undergraduate school, 
I think my degree in a, in a quarter might have bought me a cup of coffee. And, uh, <laughs> and when I got out of graduate school, I was, uh, I was uh, pretty naive as well about a lot of stuff. So I think a lot of, a lot of my experiences along the way were just uh, more about staying engaged and, and uh, 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 taking some chances and, and just paying attention to things and so forth. So, you know, this thing, I, I suppose we all do this along the way, I'm sure, and that is just pick it up as we go. Yeah, amen. Well, you gave me some permissions to be able to talk with you about leadership and how you've perceived it uh, and adjusted to it throughout the course of your career. So maybe you could talk to me about, you know, what you thought it took to be a good leader in our field when you first began. You know, the concept of leadership has kind of been evolving over time. I I, I think from a personal standpoint, some of my first work, and I was a director uh, of a program uh, right out of uh, grad school, and I, I had this sort of assumption that because I had the title, I was supposed to know everything, and the fact, that, <laughs> the fact of the matter was I knew very little. Uh, but that was kind of a burden, uh, this notion, uh, and, and I find myself at this stage in my career quite easy to be able to say, you know, I don't know. I just simply don't know. Let's sit down and have some discussion and figure it out. So I think a tremendous amount of freedom when you can just simply confess the fact that I may have an idea or two, and I'll certainly have some input. But but uh, I, I think leadership over time has evolved to much more kind of a collaborative model, yeah. than uh, you know than you know damn the torpedoes full speed ahead kind of kind of a swashbuckling approach to things because uh, that's probably never worked. Uh, too well. You still see a lot of that in the field. One of our programs is a, we do a lot of employee assistance work with uh, uh, thousands of companies, and you still see a lot of companies out there with a leadership mentality that is anything but collaborative and anything but transparent and anything but uh, let's work this out together. It's sort of my way or the highway kind of a thing. And, sure. and you, can, you can see that reflected in the cultures and, and the uh, ill health sometimes uh, mm-hmm. with that with that kind of thing. Uh, well, we're, we're going to definitely have the opportunity to talk about the ways that leadership has changed uh, over the years. But when you first got started, what did you see as the biggest challenges that you were faced with as a young leader uh, when you were first beginning? Well, I, th- I think I first have to say, Tom, my incompetence. Uh, I, I truly was uh, um, way shy of what uh, what the position demanded. I think I've said over the years I've never taken a job that I could do uh, <laughs> in the first part of the job, so you sort of have to kind of grow into it. I think leadership in those days wasn't talked a lot about, and uh, uh, there were some natural leaders. I worked for a judge that was absolutely tremendous. He wrote much of the children's code in North Dakota. He was a pioneer in so many respects. And so this, uh, uh, and uh, so, so I think in some cases, leadership seems to kind of almost be um, wrapped into your DNA. In other cases, I think you've got to kind of work and study, uh, study it. So I, uh, so I think the, the, uh, there's a lot of power in the title. And I think people are, have always been sort of deferent uh, when, when you come with an executive director or CEO title and that kind of stuff. But I, 
but I but I think some things don't change. I think you've got to have ideas. Ben is in now. I mean, it doesn't change. You've got to have a vision, uh, or you should really go home. And and so there are some things I think over time. Even back when I first got out of grad school, I, I would I think I was fortunate in that I I was a bit of a dreamer and always have been about well what could we be doing? What should we be doing? Most well, some of what we do doesn't work. And so if that's the case, then it's our job as leaders to kind of figure out uh, what might be better and how we can uh, uh, move in that in that direction. So I think, you, you know, this notion of being a change agent, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't use those terms back in, uh, back in those days. Uh, but I, but I, think it, I think some of the ingredients then uh, are, are not too different in some respects in the way they are now. I think, I think it's helpful to be anti-status quo. Organizations that I've seen over time that aren't doing well, I think sometimes it's they, they don't do well because they get complacent and comfortable. And uh, the world around us is always changing. And so, you know, that old adage about the best way to, uh, to, to kind of uh, uh, make, get accustomed to change or, or whatever is to, is to make it happen. So I, I think mm-hmm. those things, it was a slower probably pace in some respects. Uh, but I think some of those fundamentals uh, really don't change. I think it also helps in a leadership position to have a sense of adventure. Uh, if, if one, just from a standpoint of personality, is, is um, overly cautious, and there's a place for caution, obviously, in the leadership role, but I, I think leadership, more than anything, suggests that you've got to be moving from point A to point B, whatever that is. And so, so if you don't have a sense of adventure about that, the the, uh, the process of getting from point A to point B, instead of being in, in fun and exciting, uh, will likely be a little more drudgery. And uh, so I think those are some of the, some of the things, both then and now, that. Uh, in greater or lesser degree, uh, you know, makes makes some sense. There's always a state of the art in our profession, like there is in any profession, and, and that 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 accepted state of the art is always changing. And and so uh, even back in the early '70s, one had to be aware of uh, what the trends were, um, what they have been. And, and what to reject from, from the standpoint of history and what to maybe retain. And then, uh, you know, what, what, what are things going to look like maybe you know, down the road a little bit? Gary, at what point did you feel during your 30 years that you really had a grasp of the importance of vision in leadership? Well, actually, I think I was fortunate in some respects, Tom, because I, I, uh, uh, I think that happened early with me. As I say, I'm kind of a bit of a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, think, I think it was, in fact, in North Dakota, we were the organization that first started intensive in-home family therapy and, and uh, had, had not been going on before. In fact, one of my first jobs was to travel the state and explain to you how court supervisors a, how to spell family, and B, what family therapy meant, you know? Because <laughs> it just wasn't a concept that, that, uh, uh, that had uh, taken root. And, and it really, 
in most places in, in those days. And, and so um, uh, I think that sense of uh, we can do it better uh, it is is uh, sometimes you show up with it. Sometimes it's almost maybe built into your DNA. If it isn't, mm-hmm. th- then I think you have to work to get it because uh, leadership, really more than anything, I think, means that that you have to promote change, and to mo- promote change, you have to know where you're going, and which change, you know, what what's that supposed to look like? Cause so so vision is is always a important, uh, you know, uh, part of that whole recipe. From the very beginning. Good for you, Gary. Were there some things from those beginning years that you wish were still in the patterns that we use for leadership today? Um, That's a good question, Tom. I would not like to go back there. Uh, I, I uh, uh, I think the evolution of our profession and... Uh, is, is sort of um, demands that 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 uh, other than the basic human pieces that that we we need to move faster. We need to be uh, more attuned to our environment and and uh, perhaps a little less assured of ourselves. I mean, some of the concepts from a clinical standpoint we were studying and doing back there uh, are, are totally irrelevant today. So, mm-hmm. and that will happen going forward too. That's natural. So, I mean, I, I, I think the, the speed at which, I mean, we were on a cutting edge back, back then and our, our approach to families and had a tremendously successful rate of impact and, and, and so forth. But, uh, uh, but, you know, things change over time. I, I guess I'm just saying we have to kind of move with it. Well, we're going to have yeah. to move for a short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. 
Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is my special guest, Gary Wolski, President and CEO of the Village Family Service Center of Fargo, North Dakota. Before the break, we were talking with Gary about his experiences in the field, the field as he found it, and uh, what he's experienced uh, through the 30 years that he's been in his position. Gosh, Gary, would you talk to us about the organization that you've built up over the 30 years that you've devoted to the family, Village Family Service Center? I'll be happy to, Tom. You know, uh, the village uh, was actually be, uh, began in 1891 as an orphanage, as so many uh, uh, of our sister organizations across the country were uh, started with the orphan trains and all those sorts of uh, Western migration of uh, of kids, and uh, mm-hmm. so from 1891 to the late 60s, early 70s, we were we were an orphanage, and then we began with my predecessor. Uh, we began kind of a uh, uh, a whole new uh, recreation of ourselves that had to do with uh, what what can a private not for profit agency that will stay uh, arm's length away from government income. What can we do for kids and families? And so then we began to put together kind of a uh, a family, so to speak, of services: uh, big brother, big sister, family therapy, family services, a whole variety of of uh, uh, counseling approaches to kids and families, a wide variety of things. Um, we, we do credit work, credit counseling with folks, employee assistance work, adoption. Um, we have a couple of high risk childcare facilities. We do a lot of work with addiction. So the, the theory being, I, and, and it has worked marvelously, because when we made that transition, we were probably seeing uh, just a few thousand people a year in one of our services. And last year, it seems to me, we were a little north of 80,000 people. Oh I think we have goodness. to remember, when people come through one of our, we've got a, maybe a couple dozen offices across North Dakota and Minnesota, very, very difficult for people to walk into to a place uh, any place, you know, if you break your leg, we all know where you're going to go. But when you have addiction issues or if your daughter's pregnant or, or if you, you know, you name it, you have financial problems, et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's hard to do. And so we think that to have almost kind of a human service, I mean, a, a, a shopping center kind of an approach where if you're dealing with, with one problem and very, very few people come to us with a problem. Uh, they do come to us, of course, with a constellation of problems. And so it's easy to say, look, 
let me walk down the hall and see if Dwight Jenny might be able to help you with your financial concerns or mm-hmm. you know, fill in the blank. And, and so we've really evolved and continue to evolve to, to evolve over the years with really kind of a, a, a collection of services, all driven by the, the needs of kids and by virtue of the needs of kids, also, of course, the needs of families. And so we, uh, we're not done doing it. Uh, I mean, we, we're constantly sort of engaged in the region looking for ways that we can do this better, that we can, we can serve more folks and do it in a way that, that really, um, attends to their needs in a cutting edge kind of way. We're not much into status quo. It's a matter of how do we, how do we, not how do we do it, but how do we do it better? Outstanding. Now, whenever you go about the business of developing an organization as broad and, and as wide in its scope as you have developed, clearly you experience a number of significant difficulties uh, during that time. Could you review for us some of the greatest difficulties that you faced while you were building the Village Family Service Center over those 30 years? I think uh, the thing about our profession is that everything we do, obviously, we do through people. We do through uh, uh, trained folks with advanced degrees. You know, we don't sell grain. We don't sell shoes. The services we provide, we provide for people. And so uh, the, the, uh, 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 the absolute core of anything is, is our staff. And, and, and I think there's kind of a constant process of, of making sure that staff are, A, healthy, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, We've got 80,000-plus people coming to our door. They're not coming to our door to get some sort of mediocre service. Mm-hmm. You don't go to some mediocre sur- uh, surgeon if you need brain surgery. You're going to look for the best brain surgeon you can find. And that's true with us, too. And so I tell our staff when we're doing new staff orientation that if you're, if you're the same person a year from now as you are today, I don't want you on my staff. Uh, you, you've got to be constantly learning, constantly growing. If you're not committed to that, if you're not committed to the profession, if you're not committing to helping us build a good culture, uh, then, then why would why would anybody want you on the staff? And so, some of the challenges I think, uh, and it, it takes some time, uh, is is to constantly sort of hone that that process of making sure you get the right people, not just in degrees, but but in people who have a have a sense of of of, of uh, commitment to personal growth. I think they also should understand business. We run a business. And I'm not at all shy about telling new staff that if you don't understand that, you, you better you better pick it up pretty quickly, because this is this is a business, and if you're going to get paid, uh, you, this this has got to work from a business standpoint. So pay attention to her profit loss statements, pay attention to her balance sheet, you pay attention to your billable time or whatever it is that you're doing that that makes money. If it's a United Way supported service or something like that, then there are relationships and. You know all those uh, things that go with that that have to be attended to and so forth. So I think sure. I think the uh, uh, the issue of uh, uh, forging a, a staff that that kind of sings from the same sheet of music music is is always a challenge. And we've had some you know when when we began to sort of uh, uh, I, and I may I'll just tell you a little story. My first job out of grad school was with a human service organization that was pathetically sick. 
and and uh, it, it just wasn't healthy. And I that was worth a PhD in in mm-hmm. watching uh, how not to uh, 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 construct an organization. Good people, very good people, but from a cultural standpoint and so forth, it was far short. And I think, in, uh, again, to, to harken back to an earlier discussion, Tom, about what happened in days of yore, I don't know, I don't think you'd find much discussion about corporate culture uh, right. decades ago. That's true. And yet I think that's very, very important these days. And, and I think that happens with each and every staff member. Uh, you, it, it, it starts, you, you don't have it unless you have people committed to it. Well, the things, Gary, that you've done, the things you've introduced, uh, and the things that you've learned, what, over the last 30 years, has given you the greatest personal and professional sense of satisfaction? Well, I think we enjoy here, Tom, uh, uh, we're in our 125th year, and and I, I think we enjoy... Uh, a reputation in the region that uh, that we're very proud of, uh, and that 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 has to be built every day. I had the good fortune of of coming to the village. Uh, it, it had a wonderful repu- reputation when I got there, and kind of a, part of my job was not to mess that up. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. that's part of anybody's job in a leadership role. And so I think some of that satisfaction is related to uh, taking a good core organization and building it, and then ultimately. Uh, the, the 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 stories that we have. I had heard one earlier today. I was in in the central part of Minnesota for some staff meetings, and uh, uh, just the, the, the literally saved this gentleman's life. I mean, literally, he had a gun to his head and he pulled the trigger, and, uh, and the gun didn't work. The only time that that gun didn't fire, and he it wound up in our place. He, he, his last four lines of meth were taken in our parking lot as he walked in the door, just before he walked in the door. So if you talk about satisfaction, it's kind of like client by client, person by person. And, of course, he had two kids in, in, the, in this instance. And so if you're dealing with adults, there's, there's always a family structure around there, and, sure. and typically kids of some age uh, involved. And so I think the satisfaction this is a very, this is a very uh, difficult uh, society we live in, and, and, and obviously it's not getting any easier. And so uh, to be able to sort of attend to people's needs uh, in, a, in a broader, continually broader scale, both in terms of numbers and I think uh, the, uh, the uh, variety of services that we have and so forth, that uh, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes from that talk. Very good. Who are the greatest influences on you and on the development of your career? Well, my first job out of grad school was a was a district judge that was just incredible, just incredible. He was a talk about a possibility thinker. He was just remarkable, and I and I think uh, I still think of him, uh, Judge Ray Frederick, and uh, he was. Uh, uh, second to none in his passion for kids. He wrote most of the Century Code in North Dakota uh, when it comes to just dealing with kids' issues and those sorts of things. And then there a lot of people along the way. You know, I, I, I'm uh, even before my career of folks I met in the in the um, in the army and uh, whatnot. So I think if a person's paying attention, uh, those those people are all over the place. But uh, that would be one uh, judge. 
Frederick would stand out probably uh, quickly. And, and surely my parents, hardworking, uh, just solid people, you know, and you, you know, they never talk about that kind of stuff. We don't do that in the upper Midwest, you know, but, but you right. watch them long enough and, and you just, you just learn a lot quietly about their work ethic and their, their commitment to not only the family, but just to, to the community and the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, uh, I think, I think my bias a little bit, I'd have to say is that up in our part of the world, we live in a, in an area that, uh, has quite a lot of sanity left. That I mean, you look at what's going on in different parts of the country these days, and you just shake your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and no no areas, you know, immune from that. But but uh, you know, we we tend to we tend to be pretty solid thinking folks. And so there's a lot of heroes and a lot of people all over the place. I think, and I've I've uh, I've been kind of astonished when it comes to uh, trying to pay attention to. Uh, folks that you can learn something, which is probably most of them. So Beautiful. Well, we have to take another short break, but stay with us because okay. we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is my special guest, Gary Wolski, President and CEO of the Village Family Service Center of Fargo, North Dakota. Before the break, Gary was talking about the history of the Village Family Service Center and discussing some of the challenges that he's faced and some of the things that he's learned as a leader during the time that he has been in a leadership position. Gary, can we just follow right up and go right back into a discussion about leadership and ask you to talk with us about some of the general ideas about leadership that you've developed over the years? What's really important, in your opinion, when we talk about leadership? Well, Tom, I think the first thing in my mind is that uh, one has to stay in school, so to speak. I, I, I think there's an obligation to continue to read uh, uh, in the field and, and uh Outside of the field, and I, I think it's uh, uh, it, it, it's easy to get too focused, and, and I think a constant attention to uh, study and, and uh, reading, and then I'm talking about business, talking philosophy, talking about about you know uh, general human behavior, you know things that are relevant uh, to people and, and to an organization. We we spend a lot of time. In, uh, at the village talking about uh, we have a, a constant process of book clubs and at my uh, with my leadership team we're picking up uh, books uh, principally about business and uh, uh, they're go to any bookstore and they're all over the place and so we, we we're constantly talking about because we know the profession for the most part I mean at, at some levels you're not much into clinical practice of course or you're into more Governance and oversight and uh, supervision and uh, uh, direction from a business standpoint. So I, I, I think a, a key element in leadership is to is to never quit learning and always be sort of hungry for what's going on out there. Because you can, if you don't do that, you're going to be you're going to be over you're going to be uh, just overwhelmed with uh, things very quickly. It's a fast moving world, and you either got to stay up with it or get ahead of it. Um, yeah, you, you either so run faster than the bus or the bus catches you. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I, and that's the same thing I talk to our staff about, uh, this whole notion about uh, uh, continuing to um, improve and and uh, uh, the, the, that notion that, that people don't expect and shouldn't expect mediocrity when they come to our place. They, they should expect the best, and if we can't deliver then, then we should be moving on. There's, and the same thing in a leadership role. The staff don't expect that from me. They, they don't. They don't expect mediocre leadership. They expect the best, and they should get it. The board, the same way. And so I think that that should sort of travel throughout the entire organization. I would say the same thing about the board. Uh, they, they, they've got some obligations uh, as well from that standpoint. So the notion. And I don't actually think this exists too much that anymore, at least in this field, it shouldn't. That when you get out of graduate school, you've arrived, and you, you mm-hmm. have that sort of body of knowledge, uh, not a chance. No, it's, it's, all it is is a game. It, it's a ticket to the movie. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. or a ticket to, to, to something, and then you've got to get in and start making it happen. Beautiful. Gary, you have a reputation as a good teacher, and I'm advised that you talk with your staff on a regular basis about leadership lessons. Could you share with our listening audience some of the leadership lessons that you've tried to teach the emerging leaders within your organization over the last few years? Well, I think there's a, a that and culture kind of blend in my mind, Tom. Sure. One, one of those things would, would, would be talking about, listen, before we're a PhD in this or, a, you know, you name the thing, before any of that happens, we're people. And, and so people are imperfect. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, we're going to get in. There's going to be some tension. Uh, because you put a, you put a few hundred people together trying to do something, and by definition, you're going to have some tension. So let's just understand that. Uh, but but let's do it this way. We we have to treat ourselves in the organization in a way that reflects what we are trying to help our clients work through. So issues of of honesty, obviously, of transparency of treating people respectfully. If you can't do that in the staff, then you surely shouldn't be trying to, to do it with people that are coming in the door for help. So a good barometer of the quality of an organization is, I think, how the staff treat each other. And so I think a good way to do that is to listen to what happens in the coffee room. I mean, so if, you, if you sit and listen in the coffee room or the break room and people are talking about backstabbing thus and such and you know, this isn't, you know, whatever. I mean, just listen to the attitude. And I, so I, I, think the, I think the health of an organization starts with how we treat each other. And if we can't do that well, yeah, maybe we ought to be pumping gas someplace. Um, but, but the notion that, that, that we're, we are human and we're going to make mistakes, and when we do that, for goodness sakes, just confess them and, and put it on the table. And, and, uh, and uh, if you have to make an apology, make it, or if you, you know, whatever you have to do. And then get on with it because uh, everybody's making mistakes. I, I, you know, I don't mind mistakes, but don't, but for goodness sakes, if you make the same mistake twice, that's not sure. that's not uh, that's that's a serious problem. I right? agree. Some of those things are that, like that book about you know, all I needed to know. I learned in kindergarten or something. I mean, it just starts with taking care of yourself. Uh, and I and I and that sounds silly, I think, perhaps to some folks, but you know, we've got an obligation to be. To, to show up healthy, and that means uh, emotionally healthy, intellectually healthy, physically healthy. Uh, it's very demanding work, and, and we're the engine by which it happens. And so if you don't take care of that engine, then there's a, somehow or another the quality of what we're doing is going to be degraded. Uh, I come from a farming family, um, and, and I can tell you, if you're not taking care of the uh, engine and your combine and your tractors and all that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to have problems sooner or later, and so it's the same. It's just similar with us. You, you just got to take care. You got to take care of the engine, and the engine just happens to be us. One of the things you said earlier, Gary, is that as a leader, you just got to keep growing. You got to keep learning. And yeah. I guess one of the questions that folks might want to ask is, how do you manage to keep growing? How do you manage to keep changing? Well, I think part of that is you have to continually challenge yourself, uh, and 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 
again, that can happen through reading. It can happen. There are lots and lots of different ways to do that. But the moment you become complacent and think that you've arrived is is uh, is a serious, serious moment for you because that's that shouldn't ever happen. So I, I think some of that. I mean, you look at some of the history. We've we've developed our whole culture on a couple of. Uh, I think the wonderful cornerstones. One has uh, been Dr. Price Pritchett, um, and the other one is Stephen Covey. And, and uh, Dr. Covey, kind of, uh, most people are familiar with him. Uh, Dr. Pritchett, perhaps a little less so, but he's very much about uh, uh, consulting in the world of business and, and how business works and what, what an individual has to bring to a business to make it work. And, and uh, so, so, I, so I think, and we give these books to everybody that comes on board. I insist that, uh, that they be read, and within six months of a person's joining with us, uh, I want a, a, a personal and professional uh, uh, statement about their strategic plan, about their mission statement, where are they going. Mm-hmm. And then I think some of the stuff from, from uh, Dr. Pritchett is very challenging in the sense of what does it take these days to be successful in an organization, what do you have to bring to it? And whether it's a human service organization uh, or 3M, doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I, so I think some of that is, is just to real ma- to, to make a personal commitment that that you really keep yourself in graduate school for your entire career. Agreed. A lot of folks have said recently that studies suggest that leaders that are really good really freshen up their skill sets every five years. So with that as the backdrop, the question would be, what skill sets do you think that you've really focused on as a leader over the course of these last five years or so? Well, that's a very good question. I think uh, think some of that is never accepting the status quo uh, about, about challenging one staff to question what we're doing and how we're doing it. In our case, uh, also, I, I, I should say we're a very private not-for-profit, and, and what I mean by that is that we, we really watch carefully how much government money we accept, and we have limits on that because uh, we, we believe that, that we're owned by the communities we serve, and, and uh, if, if the government income hits 51%, you've just become kind of a quasi-governmental agency. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There, there are a lot of very fine organizations that do that, but that's just not us. So I, I think the, uh, uh, you know, kind of understanding uh, and being able to challenge the organization to, uh, 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 to question itself and, 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 again, not get very complacent necessarily with what we're doing or how we're doing it. I, I think our... If you go back to, let's call it 1970, when we ceased being an orphanage and began being uh, this kind of multi-service uh, uh, organization, we're essentially, in some respects, kind of a mental health clinic embedded in a broad-spectrum human service organization. But mm-hmm. you don't do that without kind of a constant process of renewal. And so I think this notion, as you mentioned, Tom, about every five years seems a little long to me. Uh, I, I, I review my mission statement annually and, and, uh, and really sort of look at uh, how is that going, what, what, what needs to be buffed up a little bit, and, 
and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, so it's, I think it's, I think it's, um, I just think it's kind of fun, frankly, and and I think it's also healthy to stay very close to those things, so you 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 stay focused and you stay relevant to the organization. That old notion about uh, I think you either you're growing or you're dying. I think yeah. it's true for organizations. I think it's also true for individuals. Absolutely. Quick question. Do you think that the demands of leadership today have grown so much that they become somewhat unrealistic? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, that's an excellent question. I, um, I could probably make an argument on either side of that, but I think I'd probably say no because I think part of the job of a leader is, is to make sure that one isn't overwhelmed by these demands. And so you can do that by, by you know, creating perhaps a structure mm-hmm. where you can spread some of those responsibilities out. I mean, there are ways to deal with that. So I, so I, think, I think although the demands perhaps may have increased, I'm, I don't know, in my career, uh, there, there, there are times when it, when it really has been, it seemed overwhelming, but then you figure it out and you get on with it. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I think there are, sometimes there are systems, ways to address it. Sometimes maybe you're just, you're just not um, adept enough at a particular issue so that it, it, it seems overwhelming or whatnot. I, I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't, I'd like to think that we don't live in a world that we're constantly being overwhelmed by the demands because I think there must be way, there, there are ways to fix that. And I actually think that's part of what leadership should be committed to. Beautiful. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. One last break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264 or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. 
Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me today is my special guest, Gary Wolski, President and CEO of the Village Family Service Center of Fargo, North Dakota. Gary, in this last segment, what we'd like to do is offer our special guests a chance to share their wisdom with the field. And so the, the questions are pure softball questions. You can take it however you want. Here's the first one. What's the one thing that you've learned from your journey that you'd like to share with leaders in our field? Well, I, I suppose, Tom, it'd be sort of thematic of what we've been kicking around, and that, and that is it's, it's, uh, if you don't have the passion for the work and, and if you're not um, um, totally committed to it, you're in the wrong place. And, and that would include this sort of a constant process of... of uh, uh, studying and, 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 and building a repertoire of, of uh, capacity that you have and, and, and that sort of thing and, and qualities and, and uh, um, what, what you can devote and give to your staff and, and the organization and stuff. So I, I, I guess I, 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 there's far too many people out there sometimes that are just complacent and, and happy to go to work and, and come home. And that's okay for a lot of people. I mean, that's fine. But in our work, you, you typically find very passionate people, and, and so those are the ones that you, you you really want to be looking for. The people who aren't just looking for a job; they're looking for a job where they can where they can really uh, devote themselves to the people they serve, and and so that's that's kind of the um, if if you can get some of that going, you got some real magic happening. You you talked earlier, Gary about the importance of allowing people to make mistakes, but not to repeat mistakes. Yeah. And I wonder if you would be willing, because we always ask our leaders uh, who join us on this show, to share one thing that you learned from a mistake that you made that helped you to become a better leader. Um, well, I made a lot of mistakes, boy. I don't know where I'd start with that. The, the mistakes would be in volumes, <laughs> you know, so I... I uh, I don't know that any one stands out. I, I, I think in terms of a process, though, when one makes a, a, a mistake, the best thing you can do is, is A, probably laugh at it and, 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 uh, and acknowledge it and, and, uh, and shout it from the rooftops because I think if, if you're a leader in an organization and you make a mistake and you make that public and you say, boy, was this stupid, and I don't know what I was thinking about, but, but this is the ingredients that, you know, you, you explain it. It does a couple of things. One, it sort of diffuses, you know, uh, your own anxiety and whatnot. I also, it, it also gives people 
permission to make mistakes. Because if you can make a mistake and and uh, and 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 uh, be very transparent with it, make a commitment not to do it again, and to chuckle a little bit at it, it's a it's a pretty freeing thing for everybody. So I, I think <clears throat> my accumulation accumulation of many mistakes kind of tells me that uh, yeah, just confess, so to speak, chuckle at it, be public about it, and then get on with it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Makes a lot of sense. You know, Gary, they say that somewhere in the vicinity of 40% of the leadership of our field is going to be retiring within the next four to five years. Yeah. So I'd like you to take just a moment and speak to the new and emerging leaders within our field who might be listening to this show. This is your chance to offer them a thought, two or three, of things that you'd like them to consider as they move into executive leadership positions. I think the first thing they got to know is who they are. I, I think they got to have a real good grasp of what makes them work, what, what drives them, what are, what, are they, what are they afraid of what are their weak areas and what are their strong areas. And so they really understand themselves uh, first and foremost. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and then to sort of translate that and help the people around them uh, do, the, do the same. And, and uh, I, I, there used to be a saying, you don't hear much about it anymore, that it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lonely world at the top. And, and I, I think that's a terrible misstatement because really – if you're in a leadership position and, and, and you're working closely with your team, whatever that team might look like, and you've got the relationships that have been developed and, and all of these key ingredients that we know because we know human nature in, in our profession, then, then it, uh, it, it's, it's really more collaborative, more fun, and a, and a whole bunch more productive. And, and, and so I think, uh, I think my, um, suggesting to new leaders would, would be, as I say, first, you've got to know who you are and, and, and all of those elements around that. And then engage with your team and, and uh, have some fun. This is serious business. This is very serious business we do. And, and I, I just uh, believed for a long, long time that if you can't somehow have fun doing it, we've had years where we've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and, uh, uh, from a financial standpoint and, and, and we can chuckle at that because we know, I mean, we've got some background drop with our foundation. We know the times are going to be better, but just sort of saying that if you can, if you can keep some humor going while you're doing yeah. this sort of stuff, life's too short, uh, to, to just make it drudgery and, and whatnot. So, uh, those are some of the things I think would be kind of represent my 40, 30, whatever, however many years in the profession. <laughs> well, thank you, Gary. You have been an absolutely wonderful guest on this show today. I'm very, very grateful for the time that you've given us today and for the ideas that you've shared. Uh, my friends out there in the uh, listening audience, that's all we have time for today. But we hope that you'll join us again next time for another edition of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 